Was that good, those guys out there in the Redwood Forest singing? They just, yeah, they do, they do a good job. So, pardon? Fountain View, yeah, Academy, yeah. Uh, discovering the God of Gods. In our Edify series, we have looked at the, the cosmos, the, the larger framework in which we, God is, is uh, revealing himself, and he's done it through creation. We've seen his uh, display of himself in a variety of ways, how he has worked with people in different areas around the world as people were divided after the Tower of Babel. Gone around the world, split up, found, found their way uh, to the remotest parts of the earth. So the whole globe is covered. So the people around the world are all connected back to Noah, his wife, their three sons, and those three wives. So when the stories began to be told of what happened, then as people moved away, they're carrying with them these stories of a flood, the stories of God and connection with, with humanity. And they, they're carrying those with them as, as they move from place to place. And if you remember the stories of your great-great-grandparents that have been passed down, you all remember all those, right? Yeah, they get a little fuzzy, but you may get some pieces and bits, and so you have some memory of that. Well, in the memory of cultures, things have been uh, pushed out over the years and found themselves in different places around the world. So there was, in the late 1700s, a resurgence of Christian missionary uh, movement. It, it just it began, it started going into India, Burma, China, in 1800s, things are rolling, and there are more and more people involved, and, and contacting more tribes, more cultures that were at a distance, and learning more languages in order to get the gospel to them. So as that's unfolding, they run into these cultures, and they discover things. So in the late 1800s, a, a missionary... Lars Skrevsrud goes to an area of India, and it's on the, uh, so if you're looking at the map, it's going to be on the right side towards the Bangladesh, uh, Bangladesh area. So today that would be on the border between India and Bangladesh. Back then that w was all one big India. So he winds up with this group of people, the Santal people. And he begins to work with them. So the Santal people and God, we are in, in this. Let me recount this. And I'm, I'm uh, using the, another missionary who wrote, wrote this all up in his book, uh, Eternity in Their Hearts. So let me share the story. I've taken out some of the highlights. But you, just to kind of give you an idea of what's happening. So he's he's in this area, meets these people, expects to have the same experience that he's had before or other missionaries have had in, in a variety of locations. They go in, they have to learn the language, they learn the culture, they get to know the people, and they share the gospel 
with them. They tell them about Jesus. They begin to explain how they can have a relationship with God. And then there's pushback, and there's, well, we worship these other gods, and, and we, we, our religion goes another way. And so you expect to encounter that. And because we know, as we've been going through this, that there are gods who, are, who have been assigned to the nations, and then there are other gods who are uh, rebellious, angelic, uh, just use that term, for angels in rebellion who have, who have wound up in these places seeking worship for themselves. So these gods and sub-gods and all these levels have been uh, developed in all these cultures among the people. So, Santal people, he, Lars is expecting to find the same thing. He finally gets the uh, language where he can communicate. He begins explaining the gospel, and the people are electrified by the good news. And they're excited because they go, he hasn't forgotten us. And, and Lars is going, what? <laughs> what? So, what do you mean? By that, so he goes to Santal, a Santal wise man named Colian, and he asks him why the response. Not that he's saddened by it; he's just surprised by it. Why would they say the things they said? Why would they respond the way they responded? And so Colian begins to explain. This must mean that Thakur, Thakur, Jew, has not forgotten us after all this time. In Santal, Thakur means genuine, and Jew means, and it's J-I-U, means God. Genuine God. The missionary was telling them about the genuine God. The missionary asked, uh, so what happened? He said, well, we knew the genuine God. The, the Santal people knew the genuine God. Thakur, uh, Jew, he said, their forefathers had known him long ago. The missionary asked why the people worship the sun and demons rather than God. And according to Colian, Thakur, Jew, created the first man and woman, placed them far to the west of India. So I'd look at the map, India. What would be over there? Huh. So the... Just think back to Noah, the people, Adam, Eve, where things were happening, and this is unfolding. So this is you know, from this wise man of the Santal people. He said, A being named Lita tempted them to make rice beer. This is where the story gets interesting. Then Lita enticed them to pour part of the beer on the ground as an offering to Satan. The man and woman got drunk on the rest. When they awoke, they were naked and ashamed. Pick up pieces and bits, but it sort of lost some of the, the other parts, kind of like you remember your great-grandparents' stories. <laughs> pieces and bits. So they got it. Later children were born to the man and woman, who then became seven clans. The clans migrated to a region called Kroj Kaman where they were corrupted. The Kurdju called the people to return to him, but they refused. Well, that's not new. The Kurdju uh, has his holy pair in a cave on Mount Harata. Does that sound like Mount 
Ararat? Huh. Then the Jew destroyed the rest of the people with a flood. So he's, he's taking care of this pair. So he's got part of, part of the story. The, the descendants of the holy pair multiplied, migrated to a plain called Sasanbida. The Jew divided them into many different peoples. A group of early Santal went to Jarpi land then eastward from forest to forest until high mountains blocked their way. They tried and tried to find a way through the mountains, but every route was impassable, especially to the women and children. The people became faint on their journey. In those days, the Santal people acknowledged the Kurdju was a genuine God. But with this huge barrier and their frustration, they lost faith in him. And turned to the spirits. The spirits of these great mountains have blocked our way, they decided. Come, let us bind ourselves to them by an oath, so they will let us pass. They made a covenant with Moran Baru, spirits of the great mountains, saying, O Moran Baru, if you release the pathways for us, we will worship you when we reach the other side. Wow. Soon the Santal people came upon a passage, probably the Khyber Pass, in the direction of the rising sun. The people came through onto the plains of Pakistan and India and over the years continued to migrate to their current location. The people were in bondage to Moran Baru and continued practicing spirit appeasement, sorcery, and even sun worship. Kalian added, in the beginning we did not have gods. The ancestors obeyed the Kur only. After finding other gods day by day, some uh, said that the sun god is Thakur. Therefore, when there are religious ceremonies, some people look up to the sun and speak to Thakur. But the forefathers taught us that Thakur is distinct. He is to be seen, uh, with, not to be seen with fleshly eyes, but he sees all. He has created all things. He has set everything in its place, and he nourishes all great and small. They are lost in a culture, found on the border of India and Bangladesh, is a group of people who go all the way back. The story's there in bits. But when they heard it presented to them, and here's a biblical account, here's a missionary telling them the gospel, and they go, he found us. He didn't abandon us. He didn't leave us. Ah, and so often that's it's still the case. If things get tough, if things get to be something we don't expect. We hit a barrier. Have you noticed that? Well, where's God? Where's the Jew? Well, he's not with us. He's not helping us through. This is too hard. And we lose faith. And we begin to complain. And we look to other spirits, other ways to make it through. And sometimes, because those other spirits are very helpful, they'll say, we happen to know the way. So we'll just lead you through this pass, get you to the other side, and you go, well, he's helpful. God isn't. I'll go with whatever. Money, jobs, other relationships that ought not be, things that, that are philosophically backwards and rebellious to the living God, but Got to be better because he didn't come through for me when I wanted him to come through, the way I wanted him to come through. And then generations down the road, we find out 
Of course, you, the genuine God, the real, true, living God, did not abandon us at all. Isn't that something? All the way back. There are more, because we come across these gods. There, there are other spirits, there are other sub-gods, small g-gods, that are around the world influencing people, influencing cultures, having their impact in a variety of ways. And we have it in Scripture so we can go and look at some of the encounters and see how that worked and, and how God shows up in ways sometimes funny. And in this case, there's a funny one from 1 Samuel chapter 5. We, we have the loss of the Ark of the Covenant in this battle with the Philistines. So the Philistines take the Ark and go to the town of Ashdod. They are setting it up over there in their temple. So from 1 Samuel 5, they carried the ark of God into the temple of Dagon, placed it beside an idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him back in his place again. So they're taking the ark there to say, see there, our God's greater than your God. And, and you can't put God in a box, even the ark. But he's represented by this ark. So Dagon bows down to the one true God. And they go back, they put him back up. Next morning they come back, same thing happened. Falling down on his face before the ark of the Lord again. This time, his head and hands had broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. That is why to this day, neither the priest of Dagon nor anyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod will step on its threshold. There is a sense of holy ground. Remember, we, we have God dividing the nations and he's chosen places that are holy, distinct, for him, his power exists there in the minds of the people of the world at that time. And we've lost much of this, but we probably need to include it as we reframe. That God has divided the nations, that those small g-gods are around, and they are influencing what's unfolding in various places. And, and their input has, has made a difference. And there was a place that God said, this is mine, called it Israel. Jerusalem, the Holy of Holies, mine, mine, holy ground. When Moses encounters God in Exodus 3 and he goes up to the bush and God says, take off your shoes because that ground is holy ground, set aside, unique. It's unique, claimed by God. So we have the ark sitting inside the temple. And guess what? To this day, or when this was written, when the Philistines went into the temple of Dagon, they did not step where that ark had been because they recognized that there, that's holy ground. You don't go there. That belongs to the other God, not Dagon, not to us. And they recognized there's a difference. They didn't start worshiping the one true God, which is sad, but they understood the difference in the gods and they understood the difference in the and the God who, who is superior. And they recognize that that was holy. And you run into people like that, family or friends, 
or acquaintances who are people who, who will claim, well, there is, sure, there's a God. Yeah, he created. Yeah, he made a bunch of things, and it's nice. And I really, I like to worship him on my bass boat. And, and, and you know, if we're, if we're going to pray at, at a rodeo, you know, I'm into that. But I'm not going to take any time to learn about him or to, you know, but I recognize that there's, there's, there's a God out there. I'll give him a, you know, a nod. But I, really, I'm still going to worship the things that I worship anyway. My stuff, my, my money, my what, whatever it is that drives me. And those, those people are still doing the same thing. Well, there, yeah, there's holy ground. Don't step there. Don't do that. Don't say that word. Because, you know, you don't say that word with, because God would be offended. So there's a respect, but it's limited. It's not, I'm just going to full on give myself to the one true God and go live as he would have me live. And these guys are recognizing, man, eh, it's a little bit. We're still going to worship Dagon. Yeah. Dagnabbit. Okay. So that's, and that, and that story keeps going. So if you want to read some First Samuel, start with five and keep going because that one is funny. We have a God who, who has provided for us such great truth. He is, he is allowing us to see behind the scenes, behind the uh, typical physical material world. And that's why we're investigating these things. It's not just the molecular structure. He, he put all that together. He knows about that. But there's more to it. There were other heavenly beings that existed before this physical material universe was put into place. There were uh, heavenly objects, heavenly places, heavenly not made of the same material, not the same kind of physical universe we live in. And that was all already. And then this comes up. So this isn't all there is. But that's, don't you have to reframe to get there? Because this is what we run into every day, so we think this is it. And we have to really work at seeing, oh, there's, there's more to this. So when we're talking about gods, pantheons of gods, spirits, uh, spirits who are, uh, well, the ones that God sends, the angels who are on mission, they are here to help and to guide and to protect. Those are around us. Those that are in rebellion, against God. Different levels. There's different, a hierarchy of different ones from the small g gods down to the small demonic spirits that harass individuals or take up residence in a, in a location because they, they do that. But they, they have less power, less authority. That's why Paul is dealing with, when he tells us in Ephesians 6, we've got to deal with the principalities, the powers, the authorities because there are levels. And these are around us. So we have a pandemic. Anything happen in a lab in China? Maybe. Somebody choose to push a button over there that has nothing to do with a Chinese government? Is there somebody behind that government, beyond Xi and his leadership cohort? Is there something else at work that could upset the world in just a short amount of time? 
that could cause division? What could stir up enough people that they would fight, argue, defriend other people over whether to have a mask or a vaccine? Well, that seems obvious that we should divide over that. Had we ever divided over uh, having masks? Well, yeah, the guy was robbing the bank. We kind of didn't want that. What pushes buttons? What is it that can create a division? And if you grew up in the 40s, Nazis could do it. Japanese could do it. But a whole lot of other things weren't causing that kind of division. Some of it didn't even come to mind. And then as things come up, humanity finds, wow, here's another way to divide. Who gets behind dividing people, getting people to fight, getting people to, who, who would normally be drawn to one another and encourage and build up one another, and yet at the drop of a hat, they'll turn on each other? Huh. Probably no spiritual force would be at work doing those things. Because you can track all you want on the physical material. You can run this all the way back. And I don't care which news source you use, you will not find the answer there. Because it isn't there. Not in that way. You peel back the layers. You look at the cosmos in terms of what are the spiritual forces that are at work. And what are the results that we see. When we see these results, that doesn't mean that people aren't involved and aren't responsible. Remember, remember, Adam and Eve were tempted. They went with it. Guess who got punished? And yes, we still die because of that. So we're not free and clear. We listen to those spirits. We, we have agreed with them. We have joined in the rebellion. And people around the world have done that. And God is still the core Jew. He's the genuine God. He is larger than all the others, and he is still at work. He is still accomplishing his purposes. There are more uh, heavenly beings on his side. The others are just a problem, and, and God's letting this run through. The thing is, he hasn't given us all the information. I wish I had time to tell you why, but we don't have time for that particular part. So, I get distracted in my own head, and I don't know why. So people have come up with ways. They've come up with ways. I'm going to create God in my own image. I'm going to make him fit. And if you've heard the phrase, well, that's my God. Because they'll come up and they'll make a statement about how they, think, how they see God. How they think, and somebody disagrees, well, that's, that's my God. Uh, did you just create that God? Is this something you have in your own head? Is it Because the deal is, we all fall before the one true God. He decides who he is. We don't tell him who he is. And I don't decide he's, this is my God in terms of a, in a worshiping him, sure. But not that other way, which is saying, yeah, this, my arrogance, here, this is how my God does it. That gets us in big trouble. So, they can't hold water. This is Jeremiah 2, chapter 2, verse 13. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, this is God, they have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. In a land where you needed cisterns, you built these things, so the rains would only come at certain times, so you need to build a way to store the water 
And we do it now with, you know, Grand Lake, Hudson. We have dams, and we store the water. They had to do it with cisterns that they would build in a town or around their homes. So here's a cistern to collect water and hold it. And here he says, they've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, the water that just keeps coming, the big spring, the river that just flows. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all because that created their own gods and their own way of worshiping him. And, and this is my religion. This is my God. This is how my worship. And you go, wow, God's saying, great. You just created a cracked cistern. You abandoned me for that. I'm available. I haven't abandoned you at all. Just like the Santal people, I did not abandon them. And I have not abandoned you. The God of gods. The God of gods. Psalm 77, 13. It says, God... Your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? Remember, all through the scripture, and we may miss this, part of the reframing part of this, is those comparisons are there because there are other gods that God is addressing. And he's addressing the people who understood that. But we're so contemporary, modern, and smart, we don't even recognize that that's out there. And he said, no, really, I am the God of gods. So let me break this down for you in Hebrew. Psalm 77, 13 with the Hebrew part. Elohim bakodesh darkeka mi'el gadol ki Elohim. So we have God saying, God is holy. That's where we're starting with this. Kodesh is the holiness, the, the uniqueness, so this, this separateness of God. Uh, uh, he is the one. And with your way is, and then we tie in a God, El, and that's just a generic, El- Elohim is a generic term for a disembodied spirit, but in the context we find, okay, this is God, God, your ways are holy, we're addressing the one true God, who is a God, is there any God of all of the small g gods? And, and th- this is the scripture saying, yeah, they're out there. That, that's the deal. We're dealing with them. And they're all around the world. And we have from the influence of one becomes more named uh, as, as the, the Satan uh, figure the the and the devil and we put we put those terms as a, an umbrella term over the whole but there are many and we have the 70 nations who divided up at at Babel so we have 70 who are in a heavenly council who take off and and then want to get worship themselves and we have other issues with other uh, beings heavenly beings spiritual beings who have rebelled so a God, L, and then as mighty as mighty as you. Is there any God as mighty as you? Elohim is not the name of God. Yahweh is that name. But we're dealing with the comparison of the gods that exist out there, influencing the nations, influencing influencing people groups, influencing. Well, when you reduce it down to the to the more 
localized spirit demon, uh, which are lesser on the scale, then they're influencing individuals. And we have these forces that are all around us, which ought to take us back to Ephesians 6 and that series we, we just did. We need to be strong in the Lord and in his might. We need to put on the full armor of God, his armor. We need to have the shield of faith to deal with these beings that are out there who desire our destruction. But what if we don't believe they exist? What if we just continue listening to them? Because that's what we do. That's what the nations do. They just listen to them. And they worship these other... They think these ideas, the philosophical ideas, are, are theirs alone. The idea of being able to destroy others with, with words, with uh, technology. Wow. That's Genesis stuff. And we're going back to Genesis. From the beginning, that has been the attempts to destroy humanity. Because these beings do not want humans to make it. They want to make it. They're trying to delay their, their final uh, destruction. But they're taking it out on the humans. And because we pretend like they don't exist, then our world, world is influenced. So our greatest crisis, heard this on the news, this is, con this is conservative news. Greatest crisis we have today is our southern border. This is for the U.S., that's the greatest crisis. There's all kinds of reasons why that's a serious problem. So people are just rushing across the border. They're not really checking to see if they have COVID. They're giving them bus rides into cities in, inland and just turning them loose and say, y'all check in with, you know, later with somebody. It, it's just a new way of doing things. So thousands and thousands of people are coming in the southern border. It is an issue. Is it the issue, our greatest issue? And I, I want to compare that with the refugees coming out of the Middle East that we had some concern for, maybe sent some money to help some people, but I don't know that it was a driving force in the way that our southern border maybe grabs us because that's closer to home. The people coming out of the Middle East because of the uh, continued attacks and things that were happening in with ISIS and in Syria and pushing out of Iraq and the people were heading to the west so they go across Turkey and then they get in boats and little rubber rafts and do whatever they can to get to Greece so Greece is slammed their economy tanks they're they're totally upside down they, their money is almost worthless and they're trying to survive and they have refugees Thousands and thousands and thousands. They can't stop. They come across the Mediterranean. They come across the water. They show up on your shore. What are you going to do? Then those guys that are getting around that, taking their boats, and the ones from North Africa going across into Spain from Morocco, the ones that are keeping traveling, and they get all the way to Italy, and then they come into Germany. Hungary's the only one saying, whoa, hold it. Others are going, okay, you know, we got to be nice. The French were doing that. You know, we got to come on. Germans did it for a little while, and then they go, whoa, our country has just been overwhelmed. We, have the we don't have resources for all of that. Have we hit that level yet? And yet that's our greatest crisis. So our greatest crisis is that there are a bunch of people, needy people, who want to come to a place where there's food and jobs and place to live. And I'm not saying let's not build a wall. I think that's actually wise. They had one around Jerusalem. 
God was in favor of that. That's not like a horrible idea. What I am saying is there's a spiritual influence that's all across Central and South America, or from what I've heard, 150 nations are represented in the people coming from the southern border because they're coming in from all over the world, down to Mexico to come in. So what's happening around the world? It's not just economics. It's not just what can we do to upset this nation? Now, the non-Christian folk here have a philosophy of their own. It just, it, they're either just compassionate and they want to let people in, or they're determined to keep what they have in this country and let it build up. And, and, and you know, there's probably good things on all sides of that. But it's also a very physical one. So, again, I just want to take move the veil and look behind that and say what is it that could divide what could cause division what could get people angry at each other what could get people lashing out what could keep down if if a load of people show up locally what could keep a bunch of christians who have read the words of jesus about a samaritan helping out somebody who's in trouble stuck on a hillside, doesn't know the guy at all, and is willing to not only be compassionate, but to pay his bills. You go, nope, I am a conservative Christian. I know my Bible. I ain't no way I'm doing that for that guy. He's illegal. Okay. But the other guy from the other church does it. Now we're at each other's throats over this thing. You go, is that division? Are we building up bitterness? Is there anger? Is there, oh, I can't stand that guy. Where does that come from? Is that a spiritual thing? Is that a real physical thing? Now, there's practical parts of this. But again, we're pulling back the curtain and saying, what is influencing and what is the big push down south that is pushing them this direction? And there's more of a spiritual influence on those people than not. If the Christians who are here are praying like crazy because they think there's a spiritual influence that direction, then we need to pray that we have that, to help them, for one, but also that we, that we are ready to respond spiritually and, and then also ask for wisdom on how to handle this practically. But... On the spiritual side, what is happening in the Middle East? And those people get pushed out and they get to Western Europe. What does Western Europe represent that the Middle East doesn't? Muslim, Christian. What would be the greatest move of God to help Muslim people? To move them closer where they could hear the gospel. Is it not? But it's the biggest crisis they've had. Crash their economy. What if the people from the south and 150 nations are coming from the south into this country because there are more Christians here than there? What's the importance of them coming here? Because the gospel counts more than having people come in that don't speak our language, doesn't it? But it really doesn't, because that's not what upsets us. 
What upsets us is that they might wreck things or drag it down. And that's true. And there's got to be controls, again, practical side. But on this, moving the veil back on the spiritual side, who are the gods that they've listened to? Who are the gods the Muslims have listened to? Who are the gods that those in the Middle East or North Africa have listened to? Who are the gods that are moving the nations? What's happening in China? Why have they increased their attack of the churches? Why is it so important for them to put pastors in jail? Why would they be threatened? They're huge. They are huge. Why would, be, why would they be threatened by some dude talking from a Bible they don't believe in anyway, talking about Jesus. Why do you have to kill that guy? Why is that, that so threatening? In a practical sense, it's a nothing. So what is it that's going on, people? The gods of the nations are at work. They are moving these leaders. They are moving individuals. They are moving whole people groups and sh shifting them around the world. And God is trying to get his word out. He's trying to get his truth out. He's trying to impact that. Do you know that prayer is the thing? When you enter into prayer and you address God in the heavenly, at the heavenly throne, that that's where the power is going to be released. Does it happen immediately? Well, I think he hears us. When he hears us, we get an answer. How long does it take to get that answer? Daniel was a pretty good praying dude. Pretty good. 21 days in dealing with the spirit. Of Remember that? So we got, we got, who do we think we are? And what spirits are we dealing with? What spirit is, or what God is, is influencing China or Russia right now? And, and what's happening here? And who, where are our prayers in this? Oh, we must be losing because I hear it on the news that they're pulled the veil back. The gods are at work, small g, God has not ceased. He is no less sovereign. He is at work. He knew this was coming. But he expects us to do our job. And our job is to be praying and praying for his truth, for his name, for his reality to be made known. Because there are a lot of people like the Santal people who are wandering around this world led by other spirits. And they know in their history, they know in, their, in the back of their minds, there is one true genuine God and they have been deceived and they are being continually deceived by this world and God has something more for them he is the one God your ways are holy is there any God as mighty as you and he decides decides where the nations will move when they will move and why they will move and he will be at work and sometimes we misread what he's accomplishing through these things and then we get all caught up in the practical and whatever the news was that week, and we missed that God is at work, and he's been at this for a long time. And these nations have been going, and the gods who have been leading them have been doing so since the Tower of Babel. And they are opposed to what God is doing. So our prayers make a difference. It releases his power. It releases his power for individuals. It releases his power in the nations. And we are not to fear. We are to look to Him. We are to trust Him. And His power will be released. Again, it may be 21 days. It may be for some of us 21 years. There are times when it's 400 years in Israel. They're in Egypt. And they're praying. 400 years. 
So we may not see the answer. But when we stand before God and he says, why didn't you pray? Well, I lost faith. You know, we hit this barrier. We didn't know how to get through. So we turned to these other things. Don't turn to the other things. He is God. Your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? We stick with him. So as a reminder, true trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He's the one. He's the answer. He's the power. He's the sovereign God above all gods who knows exactly what's going on and where we need to go, how we need to handle it. We keep trusting him. Reframe. Minor gods seek followers and worship. Don't trust them. Making a religious system on your own won't hold water. Don't do it. Moving God's way, trusting Him, and not your own self-designed way will take you to the life you were designed for. Do it. Do that one. Trust Him. Trust Him. Keep looking His way. He's at work. There are a lot of things unfolding around us. It's not going to be covered. The practical, physical, material ones will be covered. Opinions will be covered. Uh, ABC, CNN, Fox, CBS. Everybody's going to cover that. Uh, I'm afraid this is the only place you're probably going to get this news. Hopefully you'll find another source. But, well, it's in your book. Just open your Bible. <laughs> happens to be in there but I invite you to think in terms of the spiritual realities that exist that are larger that are consuming this world that are they think they're in charge they're not and God is is working his plan and uh, engage in these things as spiritual realities put on the full armor of God hold up the shield of faith Get into the truth, the book. Understand what God is doing and trust him to be at work. No fear, no anxiety, because we pray, right? Of course, if we don't pray, we have anxiety and fear. And we can't figure out why. And then we think, well, I can't trust God because he didn't come through. Huh. That is not true. He does. Always does. Always will. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Just don't trust him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the things you're doing. Thank you that you are the God of gods. There is no one like you. And Lord, we'd like to just kick the rest of them in the teeth, but uh, we know that's later. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the ancient words. Thank you for the ancient words. In Jesus' name, amen.